I'm going to start with just a few sort of personal recollections of how Mark came to be at the Nissan Institute and what he was like as a colleague for me. And then we're going to hand over to his former students and colleagues, both of whom have um, either published with Mark or have published as a result of work that Mark um, helped supervise and, and guide. Um, but for me, I guess having Mark here was, was really an enormous privilege and a sort of godsend because we, at the start of the Nissan Institute, there were only three of us in post, Arthur Stockwin, Ann Woswell and me. And when we had the opportunity to expand a little bit, there was a question about what fields we should add. And at the time we were optimistic, as it turned out, unrealistically optimistic <laughs> about the possibility of introducing a new degree in economics and Japanese studies. And of course, this was the early 1980s, and it was a time when the Japan, Japanese economy was booming and everybody was studying it, and we thought we would have floods of students. And so I made the case that if we were going to expand the fellowship, we should look for another Japan economist with the expectation that we would be able to teach into the undergraduate degree in PPE and build up a, hopefully, towards a, a new combined degree. There was talk at the time of a degree in modern languages and economics, and we thought, great, you know, Japanese, well, this is Oxford. And <laughs> how many decades later? <laughs> Probably still having the same conversation, only it won't be Japan anymore. Um, China. How, China. <laughs> however, the best bit of that, the outcome of that was that we were able to recruit another Japan economist. So we went off gaily and tried to recruit a Japan economist. Now, of course, this was a period when anybody who did a PhD in economics with Japanese language was rare and valuable commodity. And people didn't stay in academic life unless you had a passion for academia because everybody else got snapped up by the city and earned lots of money and wasn't looking for an academic job. So we advertised in, I think it must have been 1992, first of all, and we failed to make an appointment. So then we started again. And as I remember the events, in 1993, I went to the American Economics Association job market meetings and started talking to people who might be interested, well, talking to the one person who <laughs> expressed the interest, and that was Mark. And we had an absolutely wonderful meeting in whatever hotel it was in, in whatever city it was in. Um, and Mark, I still remember the impression that he made on me of this very mild, modest person who was very unsure of whether he had a chance of being appointed to Oxford. And he, he introduced himself to me and explained his background of having done an undergraduate study of not in economics, um, but in um, sort of geology, earth science type things. And then he'd come to economics later and he said, you know, I'm not really an economist. I'm not sure if I should put in for this job. I was <laughs> <laughs> you should put in for this job and encourage him 
him to the best uh, that I could. So he did apply for the job. And then, to our surprise, we had a very strong field of applicants. I mean, we had, I think we interviewed four people, is my memory. And since it's now decades later and one is allowed to reveal these things, it came down to a really tough choice between Mark and another very good Japan economist, um, Etsuro Shioji, who is now well known in Japan. He, um, when we finally made our choice and, and chose Mark, Etsuro got a job at Barcelona and then at Yokohama State, and now I think he's at Todai. Yeah. You know, not not an unimpressive uh, career path for the candidate who didn't get our job. Um, and for me, it was a really tough choice because you know I felt like I was in a, a sort of um, marriage interview, you know, an arranged marriage interview. I looked at this person who was younger than me. And I thought, I'm going to be working with this person for the rest of my life. I need to know <laughs> that this is somebody that I'm going to be happy to be across the corridor from day in, day out for a very long time. Um, and, you know, we went through a tough interview process. And they both, both candidates had fantastic merits, and so we struggled about what to do. And I remember that. Uh, Ralph Darendorf was on the interview panel and Ralph took me aside after the interviews and he said, you know, that Revic, if you choose him, you realise that you'll be appointing a sociologist and not a <laughs> And clearly for, for Ralph that was the reason why I shouldn't appoint him. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, for somebody who's not even in the field, for Ralph Darendorf to say this person is a sociologist, I thought, this is interesting. Here is somebody who is seriously multi-talented, who has interests that cross disciplines, and, you know, who's going to make a really interesting colleague. And that was, that was for me, finally, what made it clear that Mark was the right kind of person for this job. And I think, I hope he would say so himself if he were here, that he, Oxford suited him and he suited Oxford, and he particularly suited the Nissan Institute because it gave him the right kind of place to do the kind of economics that he was so good at. He was a wide-ranging person. He had deep interests in the culture and history of Japan. He had deep interests in other disciplines as they affected the questions that he was interested in. And the kind of questions that he was interested in always had a social policy element to them. He was interested in equity issues. He was interested in how the social structure of Japan impacted on people's lives and the quality of their lives. So he worked on women, he worked on groups who were excluded from labour markets in the conventional way, he worked on inequality issues, and he cared deeply about all of those. He didn't do research just to do another piece of research and get something published. I think every piece he wrote was about something he really cared about. And that was what made him such a great colleague, 
because he, he also read everybody else's work. I can remember when he told me he'd read James McMullen's book on obscure Buddhism, and I'd been a colleague of James for years. <laughs> it never occurred to me to read his <laughs> I was humiliated. But, but that, was, that was Mark. He, he wanted to know things, and he wanted to know things beyond just the things that other economists thought you should know. I mean, he was, in addition, a really strong technical economist. He could do the maths, he could do the econometrics, but that wasn't what drove him. And, and that's, I think, why he leaves, leaves a big hole in the field that um, the work that he has done will live on and be remembered and make an important contribution. But it's, of course, the work that he would have gone on to do that we will miss also. That those contributions where I know he would have pushed the field, he would have led students, he would have influenced people um, in, in ways that, that would have mattered beyond even the things that he has done. So with that as an introduction, I would like to open up to the presentations that we're now going to have from, from these two people.